0: Well, my name is Neil, and I like to start every message off with really corny jokes. And so I'm going to do that today. There was a guy that was walking past a, uh, a daycare center, and the daycare center had a fence all the way around it, one of those privacy fences, which is good, right? And so he's walking past it, and he's hearing all the kids going, 13, 13, and they're all yelling, 13, 13. He's like, why are they yelling 13. And so he keeps walking and finally sees a hole in the fence. And so he reaches in there and looks, and a little kid stabs him in the eye, pokes him in the eye with a stick. And then all the kids go, 14, 14. (laughs) Yeah, 14. So if you remember anything from today, remember 14, okay? Well, today I'm gonna talk about one of my favorite topics, which is the Holy Spirit. That is totally one of my favorite topics, for sure. And we're gonna be talking about the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues and the Holy Spirit. You guys ready for this? I want you to put on your thinking caps and then open up your heart to whatever the Lord wants to say. A lot of people have heard of both of these, and most, of, uh, most people just try to avoid the conversation of the gift of tongues and the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people that try to avoid that. So that's why I titled this message The Elephant in the Room. Did you see the elephant in the room? Did you see him there? It's kind of hard to mistake the elephant in the room. It's hard to mistake the Holy Spirit moving and being a part of a service and that sense that you get from the Holy Spirit. It's really hard to miss. You know, to just like act like it's not there. It's definitely the elephant in the room. So, the Holy Spirit changes atmospheres. When the Holy Spirit comes in power, the atmosphere changes. I grew up in a very Pentecostal church. Uh, my parents planted a church in my house, and it's very Pentecostal. And I grew up in the 90s in church. Yes, the 90s. You guys would have never guessed that, would you? We had Backstreet Boys and the Pentecostal Church. <laughs> so growing up in, in uh, the 90s, there was something very powerful happening in a lot of churches. Okay, There was definitely a move, I would say a revival. Uh, we have like Steve Kilpatrick down in Brownsville. So there's a revival down there. There's a Toronto revival. And so this, what a revival means is like this huge move of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God. And growing up in a Pentecostal church, what that meant was on Sunday morning, you would have people running, dancing, jumping, flags like in your face, you know, like that. <laughs> uh, there was, um, let's see, there was uh, people that would speak in tongues, you know, during worship, they're just like speaking in tongues the whole time. During, uh, there was a lady in our church that would actually speak in tongues and then give an interpretation herself. And the the interpretation always came across as, what she started it with was, thus saith the Lord. How do you argue that? I don't know. So this is is what I grew up in. Uh, I've seen a lot of people like falling over, like slain in the spirit. I grew up in that environment. And uh, so I have some experience of what that looks like. But so that was my encounter with church and definitely the Holy Spirit. And so I invited, I remember the time I invited my best friend, Jose Cantu. I invited him to church. And and I said, after the service, I said, hey, man, what'd you think? He's like, oh, bro, that's a lot. (laughs) Multiple times that I invite people to church, and it was just, it was too much for them. Uh, Amy, the very first time that she showed up at church, you, your encounter was like, is this a cult or something? That was what you took away. So it was very expressive, uh, a lot of movement, and a lot of tongues. And, but I just like, you know, this is normal church. Like my parents planted this church, so I was really used to it. So I'm gonna kind of unpack 27 years of being in that environment as a kid all the way up to being an adult and what that looks like. So we're looking at the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, you see that they're waiting patiently for the Holy Spirit to come. And then in Acts 2, this one scripture that everybody goes to when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes through like a wind and there's tongues of fire over them. I mean, it's it's a lot to unpack. And so we're gonna kind of talk about what does that look like in our context and what are we doing with that in, in a church setting? Like, how are we inviting the Holy Spirit? But then also, how are we inviting the Holy Spirit without everybody walking away going like, that church is crazy. Because I would love to do both. And I'm telling you right now that there can be great and beautiful structure when the Holy Spirit comes and he moves And we can all walk away with going, I can invite my friends to church. So that's what we're going to do. Acts 2, 1. You guys want to turn there? I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we're going to jump right in. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and move in power. Would you just speak directly to our hearts? Yeah, would you use your word uh, to just uh, speak to your church, God? Um. Yeah, I just choose to get out of your way. I just choose to get out of your way. Would you speak, Lord? We are hungry for you. We are desperate for you. And we invite you. You are invited. Uh, we can't do this without you. Speak. Speak. In Jesus' name, amen. When the the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So I just want to, like a lot of times, so you have Pentecost, right? And then you have Pentecostal. So this is like where you base that out of, Pentecostal. But for the most part, if you experience God in the Holy Spirit, you are a Pentecostal. And we just put the title of a, a denomination on that. But the day of Pentecost was actually a festival where people were already gathering in the city. And what it was was when Moses came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, it was, that's where it originated from. So it was actually celebration of receiving the Ten Commandments, meaning that God wants to be a part of us. And so it was this day of festival of the day of Pentecost. So everybody's already in the city to celebrate Pentecost. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Remember the disciples have been gathering together. There's about 120 of them. We talked about this last week. So there's about 120 of them and they're being so patient. Jesus says, hey guys, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere until you get the Holy Spirit's power and presence. And as soon as you do, Then I got a mission for you, but be patient, wait with anticipation for the Holy Spirit to come. And so that's what's happening here. And they're all together. And finally, this wind comes through. It was the sound of a blowing wind. It wasn't actually a wind, but it was the sound of a blowing wind. So like, think of like a tornado going up Brady Street. Okay, so that's the sound that was filling their room. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Another word for the gift of that tongue right there is language. So all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. So this is like a man-made language at this time here for, for the gift of tongues. And now they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Eliminites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontius. In Asia, Fariga, Philea, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, creations and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? And some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. So if they had had too much wine, uh, this is about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. So like, man, that was a party. So you see God doing amazing things in this passage. The disciples were so patient for waiting. They still are gathering together when it's like this anticipation, nothing's really happening. And they finally have the Holy Spirit come. And it says that it fills all of them. You see that? All of them encountered the Holy Spirit, filled them all. His move is so mighty that everybody in town thought that there was a tornado or an earthquake that just came through the town. And as they were speaking in other languages, everybody's trying to understand, like, how in the world do all these people know all these different languages when they're Galileans? They're not educated in all these different languages, but the language that they were speaking was to tell people about the wonders of God. You see that? Everybody came and they're to the gathering place, they're hanging out outside, what's going on? They're hearing the wonders of God. A couple of big takeaways i like to focus on today is, when the Holy Spirit moves, it awakens a city. When the Holy Spirit moves in power, it awakens the city. The whole city feels the effects of the Holy Spirit. It gathers people together. Holy Spirit is a gatherer. I want you to think about that. So anything that you've heard about the Holy Spirit, I want you to think about the Holy Spirit as a gatherer who brings people together, not pushes people away, instead brings people together. The other thing that i like to focus on is the Holy Spirit is for everyone. He's for everybody, not just for specific people, but he's for you, he's for me. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. You see that they got these different languages to tell the wonders of God. And the reason is, is because at this time you had Jews, you had Gentiles, there was just a couple of different opportunities to know that you were actually invited into what Jesus did for you on the cross. And so what happened was the Holy Spirit came and told the wonders of God, and then all these people hear the wonders of God, knowing that now they are invited into what Jesus did. And so the Holy Spirit gathered people together to let them know you are invited to receive the Holy Spirit and what Jesus did for you. He's for everyone. Before Acts 2, you have a couple of denominations, let's say. This is the the disciples, right? They they were part of the Jesus movement before it was the Jesus movement. (laughs) After Acts 2, we have thousands of denominations. Think about that. In fact, today we have 45,000 denominations to choose from. 45,000 denominations. Not churches, denominations. The Holy Spirit changed things. And a lot of times we don't know what to do with them. That is why I've called this message the elephant in the room. So a lot of times we don't know what to do. A lot of us have had the experience maybe that I had growing up. But some of you in the room maybe have had no experience like that whatsoever. And so that's why we have so many denominations because everybody's trying to figure out what do we do with the Holy Spirit? It's not a difference of the cross. The cross is consistent around a lot of denominations, isn't it? But think about it. The denominations actually come into play, When we start thinking about what the Holy Spirit, how are we going to encounter, what do you believe on the Holy Spirit, that's the deciding point of a lot of denominations. Jesus is always consistent. The cross is always consistent. God the Father is always consistent. The Holy Spirit's like, oh, we we don't really talk about that. Or the Holy Spirit's like, we encounter Holy Spirit and it's fun. You know so you have you have two radically different views on Holy Spirit. And that's why we have so many denominations. So I'd like to dive into for the remainder of the message is uh, just who is the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is not good vibes. Holy Spirit is not good aura. Holy Spirit is not new age. The Holy Spirit is not the crazy uncle of the Trinity. Okay? <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not faked. Holy Spirit is not a spirit animal. Okay? Just so let's start with that. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is as much God as God the Father is God. Holy Spirit is attainable. Holy Spirit is invited. Holy Spirit is for everyone. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit's role in a believer is to give us clarity. The Holy Spirit is not confusing. Holy Spirit is to give you clarity, discernment. You know that gut feeling, I should take this job, I should move. Maybe I shouldn't move. Maybe I shouldn't take that job. Holy Spirit gives you discernment in that. I should trust this person. Maybe I should like keep a wall up for a little while. Holy Spirit will invite you into those things. He gives you discernment. Holy Spirit reveals God's word to us, the Bible, makes it alive and living. It's the Holy Spirit working in us. The Holy Spirit gives you patience and peace. This is why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Things that happen when the Holy Spirit is moving, tears, when the presence of God and the Holy Spirit's moving in a place like in a church setting. You'll see tears a lot of times. all of a sudden you just start crying, you don't even know why. And a lot of times that's just the Holy Spirit working on your heart doing the deep work that you didn't even know you needed. Tears of joy. Sometimes you'll experience laughter, just an uncontrollable laughter from like your soul. You experience groanings. Hmm) <laughs> That not only happens at Dynasty Buffet, it happens with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Holy Spirit gives you dreams and visions. You can experience like something that maybe is going to happen in the future or maybe it's a situation that you're currently in and God just gives you dreams about that right now. Here's the situation. Here's what I'm doing. You all of a sudden receive clarity. Holy Spirit does that. Holy Spirit, in a setting, uh, is sometimes this experience of overwhelming weight on your shoulder. Like, you are in the cloud of God's presence. Oh my gosh, God is so real right now. And you just have this overwhelming weight. You can't even, like, you just, it's just a weight on your shoulder. Um, A lot of times, Holy Spirit gives uh, our bodies experience shaking. I've seen that a lot, too. So that's the Holy Spirit, he has a role in our life, this is what he's not, this is who he is. Now let's talk about the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues. In our passage today, in my opinion, it's not the best passage to talk about the gift of tongues. Even though everybody comes back to Acts two, there's so many better passages that we're gonna look at in Acts as we go through this book, and also Paul talks a lot about the gift of tongues. He gives us so much clarity on using the gift of tongues, but we see it here definitely. But you notice that these are the gift of tongues of man. They're not angelic tongues. Granted, there is fire over their heads that look like tongues of fire, but this was God speaking through people to let everybody know that they are invited to receive the Holy Spirit. That's what we see in the book of Acts 2. We're going to talk more about it, but I felt like, man, this is a great opportunity to talk about the gift of tongues. And so I haven't slept in two weeks. (laughs) But I'd like to dive into the gift of tongues. Tongues are not forced on you. Tongues are not fake it till you make it. You don't need to start off, if you want to experience the gift of tongues, you don't need to start off with she rode on a Honda. She rode on a Honda. Sorry. Sorry. You don't need to start there and like fake it till you make it. Oh, I'm gonna. Tongues are not forced. They're not, you don't have to fake it. They're a gift. Tongues are not mandatory for the Spirit living inside you. I know lots of people that encounter the Holy Spirit are spirit filled people that just haven't received the gift of tongues. It's not a mandatory thing. Tongues are an amazing gift that the Holy Spirit gives us and can be used in our lives to bring peace and power to our prayers in our church. One way of using the gift of tongues is in your own personal prayer life. I currently speak a lot in tongues in my car. A lot of times on my way to the city, on my my way to this church, on my way of driving around this city. Because Here's the thing, in your own personal prayer life, as you use the gift of tongues, what you're doing is you're actually inviting God to pray through you, okay? So what happens is a lot of times, I don't know what the Lord wants to do in the city. I have ideas of what God wants to do, but sometimes it's really great to just get out of God's way and out of my language that I have with God and just let him speak through me over the city, And so a lot of times you'll find uh, praying in your car is great. Praying on a walk by yourself is good. Praying at home with the gift of tongues. Have you ever been to a point where you're like praying for something and the stress of it is just way overwhelming? Where you don't have words to say? Maybe you're in a situation in your family and you want to see something happen in your family and, and like it, you're just you're just frustrated. Maybe the enemy has just been attacking you like crazy because we do have a real life enemy. This is where you can use the gift of tongues and it brings power to your prayers. It brings so much power to your prayers. Tongues are a language between you and God. It's a direct communication line, and it's a language that hasn't been tarnished. It hasn't been tarnished. It, it's, it, you know, the word love in tongues is different than our word love. Love we use for, like, I love McDonald's. But this line of communication from the gift of tongues, you can actually speak to God, and it's a real, authentic, from-your-heart love. Tongues can also be used in a church setting. The, the gift of tongues with, with honor and respect to church members can be a beautiful thing. Paul gives us this beautiful picture of the church speaking in tongues during, during services. And it, before like he put some structure behind it, everybody would just come in as these songs are going on, as I'm like trying to talk, There would be just like gifts of tongues going on, right? And everybody's just speaking in tongues. Could you imagine if I spent 25 to 30 minutes just talking to you guys in tongues? Would you get a whole lot out of services? Okay, so Paul's like, hey, let's for the sake of assembling together with everybody else, let's put our abilities aside, and then like we can actually cooperate and we can work together in unity as a church. So this is how Paul invites the church to use the gift of tongues. I want to say something really clear. A word for the church with the gift of tongues comes from the church and is interpreted by the church. A word for city church from the gift of tongues, and then like we need an interpretation for that word, comes from somebody in our church setting and is interpreted by somebody in our church. What I mean by that is God does not need to outsource the gift of tongues to this church. He doesn't. There's at least, at least 10 people in this room in between first service and second service that have the gift of prophecy that speak in tongues. And then we have people also that can interpret the gift of tongues, and so if God has something to say to City Church through the gift of tongues and an interpretation through it, he's going to use the five-fold ministry that he's already put in place in this church, which is pastors, evangelists, prophets, apostles, and teachers. God's gifted this church with all of those, and so he will use somebody in this church. And what I mean by that is I have 27 years of experience. So if you want to like talk about this later... I have been a pastor's kid for 20 some years of my life. And I've experienced all these outsourced people coming in and giving these words of prophecy that didn't have anything to do with the church whatsoever. And all it was was distraction and chaos. Distraction and chaos. It had nothing to do with our church setting whatsoever. And so the gift of tongues can actually be used, it can be beautiful when it's used within the context of the church. When somebody came under the leadership of the church, I'll take another step on this, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put it all out there for this service. If, <laughs> <You go>. okay. <laughs> if you don't have enough faith to tithe, then I don't think that you need to give a word to the church. Because like, you're not bought in. You bring chaos and destruction, and then, like, the church is, like, clean up the mess. You know who gets to clean up the mess? I do. And so the gift of tongues is this beautiful thing when people in the church that are a part of the church, that give to the church, that serve the church, this is their home church. God doesn't outsource the gift of tongues. He gave each church Prophets. I truly believe that. We, we really believe that as a church, that all those ministries, all those giftings are right here in this room today. 27 years of experience or insight. So I just want to say here's how we can practice this. Right now, I'm not joking. Okay. <laughs> Gotcha. It's the elephant in the room. We have nights of worship as a, as a church. Okay, so like if this gift of tongues is really intriguing to you and you'd love to experience, how does this work in a worship setting? How does this work with somebody interpreting? Wow, you really got to trust God that you know somebody's going to speak out, and then you got to trust that somebody's going to interpret because that's the way it is supposed to work for His church. Granted, and I, I will say this other disclaimer, okay? If 100 people start, start speaking in tongues, not everybody's getting interpreted. I've been in that setting too, where there's like 500 people speaking in tongues. That doesn't, not everyone gets an interpretation, right? So on our Sunday night's worship, what we're going to do is we're going to give an opportunity. We're going to create space. God, do you have anything to say through the gift of tongues to your church? We're gonna actually create some space during that. And we're gonna invite, Holy Spirit, come. What do you have to say? And then we're gonna trust that there's an interpretation. And so that's what we're gonna do. I, I got you with the live recording thing, huh? <laughs> Next Sunday night, which is our night of worship, we do one of, them of, one of them a month. And so I just invite you, if you're really intrigued, like, oh, I'd love to see what that looks like in a setting, come. If you feel like you have a word from the Lord on your heart, and you'd love to share it, come. If you feel like you, oh, I'd love to experience, like, do I have the gift of interpretation? Come, because then we're gonna experience this. We're gonna try this out. So it'll be a great opportunity. We create space that's intentional for the Holy Spirit to speak. In an effort of keeping our community, and I know that everybody in this room did not grow up in the same church I grew up in, Remember, the Holy Spirit gathers people together, so this is the opportunity that we have. So lastly, Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, I just want to say a word from my heart. Have you guys ever seen a fire hydrant get hit? Have you ever seen a car run into a fire hydrant? Maybe you've watched movies before, and the fire hydrant gets hit. When the Holy Spirit moves, a lot of times it's like a fire hydrant getting hit and there's this gush of the Holy Spirit's presence and power and it just fills the room. As a pastor, it's like I'm taking a spoon and trying to like put structure to the Holy Spirit's gush and power. So here's what I want to say. It's like we need to have grace for people that experience a gush of power of the Holy Spirit and they don't really know what to do with it. We also, as a church, need to have grace for people that are experiencing something and we don't know what to do with it. Does that make sense? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit moves and people, you know, it's, it's, it feels like, oh, this is chaos, this is a distraction, but as a church, we just need to have grace for people. And on the other part of that is we don't need to force anything on anybody. We can let God do his job. He's faithful. He'll show up. He'll do what he wants to do in people's hearts. And so I just truly believe that we're gonna experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit like never before. Last, last week, we had a taste of that. If you weren't here, we had, we had quite the taste of that. I think there's more coming. Uh, I don't think there's a a reason, you know, like we are in the book of Acts and we're talking about Acts two today and God is on the move, he's doing new things. And I feel like as a church, we have been so patiently waiting for this. At least I feel like that's been our heart, waiting for God to move waiting for his presence and his power. So I've been praying about this message. Like, it. um, I felt like this was like the biggest message I've ever given. I don't know why. I was sick last night. I literally got a horrible fever and like everything just started, like I started getting cold chills. I'm like, wow, this is whatever you're doing, God. Like, you know, somebody's trying to keep me away. But God's in control of his church. So I've just been like really wondering what does that look like for us as a church? Even to the point of like trying to create structure and like trying to explain what the Holy Spirit's doing in people so so like you guys can actually participate in it. You're not distracted and and those things. And even to the point of like, I don't know if, uh, um, I don't know if we're Ready? And then um, I got a text as I was ending this message. I always run through my messages with Aaron, and we were running through the message, and at the very end of the message, I got a text saying uh, somebody in our church who has, definitely has to get the prophecy texted me and said, I had a dream last night of wild horses. Okay, and like, <laughs> we we're like just finishing up this message. And he said, when I woke up, I received the words, the Holy Spirit is like a wild horse. He will not be pinned, and he will not be restrained. It's like, okay. (laughs) I am out of your way, Holy Spirit, whatever you wanna do. (laughs) Wow, yeah. He will not be pinned, and he will not be restrained. And so I'm just gonna pray exactly what they prayed in, in Acts 2 i have the of team come up. If you want to play some light stuff, Levi, that'd be great. just want to pray to invite the Holy Spirit to just come. Just invite him to come. Remember, the Holy Spirit's invited. The disciples waited with anticipation for the Holy Spirit to come. They invite the Holy Spirit. And so any of those walls that um, hopefully that this message kind of opened up some doors and opportunities for, for you to, like, tear down some of those walls if you've had uh, really, really strong, strong opinions on Holy Spirit is like for another time, it was for just the disciples, Uh, you're still invited here, we still love you, we still cherish you. We're all on a journey towards Christ and so that's totally cool too. But I just really sense that the Holy Spirit just wants to fill us as a church with strength and power. We're gonna receive communion after this prayer and so I just invite you to um, after we receive communion, we're, we'll just uh, jump right in, or before. So would you guys just stand up with me? Yeah. So one, one amazing thing is the Holy Spirit is a gift. And so I just, you know, have you ever, remember Christmas? Do you remember Christmas anybody? Remember Christmas? Okay. Like when somebody's handing you a gift, they're putting it in your hands. Uh you what do you do? You receive it, right? And so that's how the Holy Spirit is. He you can receive the Holy Spirit. And we're going to yeah. So I just invite you to just receive the Holy Spirit. Receive a filling any area of your life that you're like, man, I am just really stressed out in this area. I need strength in this area. I, I have uh, battles and, and uh, addictions that, man, I just, I wanna walk away from here without those today. The thing is with the Holy Spirit is when you're completely filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no room for anything else. The Holy Spirit pushes things out because he fills you completely and totally with your, his presence. And so let's just pray for that. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Yes, more, Lord. More, Holy Spirit. You are invited. Have your way in this place. Have your way in our hearts, God. We just invite you. We invite you into new areas of our life to even have uh, more opportunities to just cooperate with what you're doing. Surrender new areas. of the spirit. Just want to invite anybody in this room that um, is having any illness or pain or anything going on with their body. Just really sense like the Lord wants to do miracles today. He wants to heal you. Just bring some healing. So just invite you to receive prayer from Sherry at the back of the room during this last song. I'm just stay in this atmosphere and christina is just going to lead us through communion so everyone here at the city is welcome to take communion with us you can find your communion cup at the bottom of your chair or in the back but let's go ahead and remember what jesus did for us he broke his body for you and for me for the forgiveness of our sins he shed his blood for you and for me go ahead and take your juice just invite you to just lean into what the holy spirit is doing in this next song like neil said there's prayer in the back bless you guys